0: Church, good morning. We are finishing up today our study of 1 Peter. I have so enjoyed our verse-by-verse study of this amazing letter from the Apostle Peter. I'm kind of sad it's going to be over, but it is. And I talked last week about emerging leaders. As Peter is transitioning, and actually in a succession plan, uh, he knows he's going to be leaving soon, but he is raising up another generation of leaders behind him and exhorting them specifically in 1 Peter chapter 5. And today, I want to introduce you to one of our young leaders at Abundant Life. We are so blessed, as I shared last week, with amazing young leaders that are emerging to accept the mantle of the Gospel and take it into the future long after some of us are gone. One of them is Winston Wright, who's a part of our Fusion Ministry. He leads our students in Blue Springs. He has a wonderful gift to communicate the Word of God. I am so proud to introduce to you our family at Abundant Life, Winston Wright. Would you give it up for Winston right now as he comes to preach the word of God?
1: Well, hey, good morning, Abundant Life family. As Pastor Phil said, my name is Pastor Winston. I oversee our Fusion Student Ministry at our Blue Springs campus, and I am fired up and thrilled to be opening up God's word and preaching and sharing God's word with you this morning. Amen. Let's go. Uh, so, everyone on the online campus, I just want to welcome you. Glad you're tuned in. Uh, Independence campus. And last but not least, my people at the Blue Springs campus. What's up, y'all? Glad y'all are here this morning. Well, hey, again, Pastor Phil couldn't be here this morning. Him and Krista are celebrating their 30th year anniversary, y'all. Come on. Yeah, give it up for Pastor Phil and Krista. Now, just to put that in perspective for y'all, I just turned 30 this year. Okay. So they've been married as long as I've been alive, y'all. What a testament of what God has done uh, in Pastor Phil and Krista's lives. Y'all, I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful and blessed to have a leader like Pastor Phil. Amen. Amen. He doesn't waver from the truth of God's word. And everything that he says, y'all, on the stage, I've seen it with my own eyes off the stage. And, and, and we've been in this leadership series, and it's been about um, uh, investing in the, into the lives of the younger leaders, right? But, but the, the leaders that are already in place have kind of set the tone for us, right? They, they, they've given us an example, and Pastor Phil has done exactly that. Uh, he's been a great uh, testament, right, an example for me as it pertains to uh, uh, what it looks like to be a fisherman of men. And, and y'all, not just men, but he's also helped me and taught me to become a fisherman of bass. Y'all, take a look at this video. Real are real in, we in, in. baby. And pick it up, pick it up. Put the whole pole, the whole pole. Okay, the whole pole? Yes, yeah,
0: pick, pick it up on the, pick up the pole, high. Okay. Oh. That's my first, first bath, First bath. Let's okay, go. Okay, right.
1: come, come on, don't be scared
0: of oh, it. Don't be scared of it. Come on, come on, baby. He's got it. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. he's going to going to He's he been suffocating for a whole minute. <laughs> He's been suffocating for a whole minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Come on, I got you. you got it now. <laughs> you got it. Yeah! Woo! Right.
1: Thank you. Thank you. My first bash, y'all. I did it. I picked it up. Oh, I love Chad's commentary, too. is an awesome video. Well, y'all, as, as, I, as I held that bass, right, and, and I held that fish, my mind my began to wonder maybe what, what was going through the mind of the fish. Like, like, like just think about that for a second. Like, like, here I am. Like, if I was the bass, beautiful afternoon, and I'm just swimming in this lake, y'all. Just enjoying my day with my friends, giving fin fives, you know, just enjoying life. And here we are around lunchtime, and I haven't eaten yet. And at the corner of my eye, this bait catches my attention. Now, I didn't know it was bait. Right, but this fish—he comes up and he 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 bites onto this lure, and next thing I know, uh, I I think I've eaten something that's good for me, and I began to swim. Right, and I'm trying to go this way, but something is pulling me in the other direction, and next thing you know, I'm out the water, and next thing you know, I'm flailing around because I'm not in the environment I was created to be, and I realize I've been hooked. I've been hooked. You see, what the fish uh, thought was to be attractive was actually destructive. And you see, y'all, we have uh, an enemy. We have an adversary. Satan is the fisherman, and, y'all, he's trying to hook you. He's trying to bait you. And some of you, even right now, maybe have hooks in your mouth, in your lip, but you continue to go after the same bait. I have some examples here. Some of you in here may have taken the bait of materialism, and now you've been hooked by debt. You may have taken the bait of lust, and now you're hooked by pornography or hooked by divorce. You see, some of you have taken the bait of self-preservation, especially in today's times, and now you're hooked by fear. And I'm going to be honest and transparent if I was to let you know what season or or what bait I have taken this past season is wanting more. Right? We live in America. I want more. Like enough isn't enough. So I've been hooked by discontentment. Satan is the fisherman church and he's coming for us all. My question for you today, are are you hooked by him? Have you taken Satan's bait? Peter is writing to the church so they can overcome this adversary. First Peter has given us a master class of humility. And we have been in this section on leadership, and now he's wrapping up his letter. So I want to leave you with three points, y'all. It's be alert, resist, and entrust. So if you have a copy of God's word, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5 starting in verse 8. And we read, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And I love this, right? Because Peter's trying to help the church understand how they can ready themselves. He's trying to let the church know right off the bat, hey, you have an adversary so you need to be alert, church, because you have an adversary, and, and, and Peter would call him a lion, seeking someone to devour. So let's break this down for a second. First off, he says, be sober. Be sober. This word sober is to be um, clear-headed, right? It, it, it's to, have, uh, to not be under the influence of anything. And, and oftentimes when we hear this word sober, we, we think of alcohol. Like, like, like if you're sober, then, then you're not under the influence or intoxicated by alcohol. But I believe Peter would even broaden that. Uh, not just drugs, not just alcohol, but also sober-minded, free from the influence of fear, free from the influence of anxiety, free from the influence of cultural norms or what the world would say is right. Right? Free from your own feelings. You see, to be fully sober is to be in alignment with the truth of God's word. To not be under the influence of anything. And the reason why is because sometimes uh, our feelings can get in the way. What we feel, what we think to be true. Or even fear. Like I was afraid to grab that bass because I thought that bass was going to bite me, y'all. Right? But then then I grabbed it and it was okay. But fear was... Uh, in the way of my decision-making. And it's no different in in life, especially as it pertains to our Christian faith. Listen, y'all, church, we have to be sober. We can't be dependent or reliant upon anything. The only influence that we need to be under is the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's word. Peter would say, be vigilant, church, be vigilant. This is a proactive uh, awareness. This is a, a proactive watching. Right? Like, like, if you're going to watch, if you're going to be proactive, you got to first recognize there's an adversary. And, and I'd imagine you maybe have come into this place and, and you probably don't think much about Satan. Or you probably don't think much about the devil. And maybe I'm just speaking on behalf of myself. But the, the devil or Satan don't really cross my mind that much. And, and I would even go as far as to believe maybe for you as well. But what Peter is saying is, no, 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 you have an adversary. We need to get that straight first, right? And listen, if you're a child of God, if you come into this place, then, then that means you're on, on Jesus' team. That means you're his son. That means you're his daughter. And listen, there's nothing more that the enemy would want is to attack the very thing God loves, you see Marvel and, and some of these movies, these superhero movies, man, they've, had, they've hijacked the gospel, right? And, and like you see in these movies, like the villain, like the villain can never get to the superhero, but, but what, the, what the villain would do is a, a try to attack the, the girlfriend or the, or the spouse or the kids or, or somebody that, that is near and dear to, to that individual, so since Satan can't get back at God, listen, he's coming for you. He's coming for you. So Peter, right off the onset, he's telling us, church, be alert. Be sober because you have a lion and he's coming to devour. And I love this rhetoric. This, this, yeah, Peter doesn't hold back. Devour means devour. That doesn't mean he's coming just to mess with you a little bit. That doesn't mean he's coming to deter you from having a successful life. No, 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 he's coming to take your head. He's coming to invade your house. He's coming after your kids. He's coming after your family. He's coming after your faith. Growing up, y'all, I played many sports, but football happened to be my favorite. And uh, I grew up playing sports. And and when when, when I was in Little League, uh, the playbook was about this big, okay? Run right, run left. If you're on offense, if you're on defense, tackle the person with the ball, right? That, that, that kind of sums up what Little League is like. But as you get to the next level, right, high school, college, and even uh, uh, professionally, you have to become proficient in two things. You have to know your playbook. And, and usually that playbook gets bigger. You have to know your playbook. You got to know your plays. But here's another thing, y'all. You got to know your opponent. And every week, our coaching staff would give us a scouting report. And they would give us every bit of information they could find on our opponent. Why? Because we were trying to win. And it's no different in the Christian walk, church. If you're going to win, you got to know the playbook. You got to know who God says you are. You got to open up God's word and and know the truth so that you can be sober-minded. But then you also, you got to know your opponent. Who are we going up against, church? Who is out to devour you? Here's a picture of me, y'all, when I was, uh, I I played with the Tennessee Titans for a short bit, and I learned by this time how to keep my head on the swivel, okay? That is a football vernacular for being alert, because in college, one time your boy got knocked out. Let me tell you about it. So I was on the kickoff team, and, and, and for those of you, you may not even have to know a ton about football, but it's the very first play of the game. The ball is kicked and the two teams collide. It's kind of warlike. And I had the position of gunner. So I was on the the kickoff team and the gunner's responsibility was just get to the ball. I'm not that big, but God gave me some speed, y'all. So I was supposed to go down there and get after it, right? So here I am. The ball is kicked. I'm running as fast as I can. I'm trying to get to the ball. And you see, this was the last game of the season as well. So this other team had an entire uh, uh, season of film to watch on me, and here I am, y'all, I'm running. I'm not sober, I'm not alert, and I'm not vigilant. And I see the ball carrier, he's the bait. I'm about to go make a play. At the last second, at the corner of my eye, I got hit by this 250-pound man, okay. And next thing you know, my ears are ringing. I'm seeing the birds, Looney Tunes. My eyes is crossing. I forget where I'm at. I forget my name. I forgot a lot of stuff that day. You see, the opponent has studied me. The opponent knew my tendencies. The opponent knew what bait, how to bait me. We're going to make it seem like he's got a straight line, only to realize they they had set a trap for me. You see, Satan is no different. He knows what bait to throw out in front of you. When we were out fishing, they said, hey, if you want to catch a bass, you want to throw in this bait. If you want to catch a catfish, you need to throw out this bait, right? And, and every fish kind of likes the, a different bait. And the same thing that, that, that may bait you may not bait, bait the next person. But regardless of the fact, Satan knows what it is that, that gets you. Satan knows you, church. Do you know him? Do you realize that you actually have an adversary? Have you ever stopped to ponder, like, wow, why are the things in my life transpiring the way that they are? Like, 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 why do I continue to be hooked? Let me tell you, you have an adversary. And just because you're not paying attention to him doesn't mean that he's not on the prowl. So Peter, he's writing to the church be alert, church. Keep your head on the swivel because he's, he's coming for you. Now, there are a few things about lions. Uh, just as the opponent knows us, we need to know the opponent. And there's a few things about lions that I think is important to, to, to point out because it gives, uh, points to a little bit of the nature of Satan. One is this, lions are nocturnal, meaning they hunt at night. Like lions sleep 20 hours out the day. Like during the day, more times than not, they sleep. But at night, you want to be outside because the lions roam in the darkness. And so does Satan. Satan loves the darkness. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we have to be mindful to not open ourselves or expose ourselves to entertainment that is dark. We need to be mindful and not expose ourselves to music or, or, or things that, where God is not in it, where it's dark. Because that's where the lion likes to hunt. And as believers in Jesus Christ, there's dark places, dark environments that we shouldn't go to. Like as a believer, your feet should not walk to. Because that's where the lion hunts. Lions are also territorial, y'all. Lions don't like co sharing anything. There can only be one king of the jungle. They'll fight till death to get it. And before uh, Satan was a lion, he was uh, a serpent in the book of Genesis. And before he was a serpent, he was an uh, angel. And, and when he was in heaven, y'all, he lusted after God's throne. Satan is territorial. He he didn't want God to have it. He wanted to have it for himself. So if he was after God's kingdom, what makes you think he's not coming after your kingdom? What makes you think he's not coming for your family? Like if Satan shows up at your doorstep and you let him in, he's not just going to be like, hey, let me just keep the room in the back. I'll be quiet. You know, you go ahead, do your thing. I'm just going to stay down here. No, no, no. Satan don't operate like that. The lion's coming for it all. He's coming to devour everything that God has put in you. Lions, they also they they uh, they hunt the lonely. They go after the one, the animal that, that is, uh, 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 falls back, right? The one that somehow gets separated from the pack. So, what does that mean for us, Christians? What does that mean for us, church? Stay in the pack. You need to stay in community. You need to stay involved with the local church. You need to have people, other brothers and sisters that you do life with because if you don't, you will ultimately leave yourself vulnerable for the attacks of the enemy. You easy pray whenever you separate yourself from the pack. So church, this morning, I think it's important. Peter's trying to make us aware of that we have an adversary. We have an enemy and that we need to be sober. We need to be alert. We need to be vigilant. Let's continue on in verse nine. Peter would, Peter would say this, "Resist him. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the war, in the world. Point number two is this: Resist Satan with faith and community. Resist Satan with faith and community. And I love uh, this word resist. It's an action word, right? Peter doesn't say to run. Peter doesn't say recline or rest. No, he says resist. This is, an, uh, this is a fight, y'all. Just like if I was to put on my helmet and my football pads and, and I just was going to just run out there and just kind of just mess around. and No, nah, you're going to get hurt. This Christian life is no different. When you wear the uniform of uh, uh, of Christ, when you have on heavenly attire, y'all yo, you have to have a proper expectation going into the game. This is a war. A spiritual war. And everything that transpires in our lives is just the we see the fruit, but there's a root to it and the root happens in the spiritual realm. So it's important church to resist him. What does it look like to resist him? What does that even mean? What does that look like practically? You see, I have a one and a half year old baby girl. She's my baby girl, uh, firstborn Naomi. And uh, she's at the age right now where her vocabulary is growing. Like every day she comes to me with a new word. Like yesterday, she came up and touched my hair and said, Fluffy. I'm like, where did you hear Fluffy from? You know, like she just comes up with this stuff and I love it. Um, But from her very early days, from the very first time that she's ever spoken a word. And, and even now, there's one word that stays consistent, and it's more dominant than any of the uh, other, other words that she speaks right now. And if you have kids or been around kids, what is it? No. That's right. No. Right? No. Baby, hey, Naomi, come here. Come here. That easy? No. Right? <laughs> Hey, hey, baby, come here. It's time to clean up. Let's pick up your toys. No. Right? Hey, it's time to eat. Let's go. You, you want some milk? No. Right? That is always, she's always hitting me with no. But listen, church, how do we resist the devil? You got to learn to start saying no. It's simple, but it's hard to do. Yeah. Church, we got to learn how to say No. Like, like that bait that's been baiting you over and over and over again, it's time to say no to it. It's time to cut it, cut it off. Now, on the other side of that coin, uh, Peter would say, stay steadfast in the faith. So how do we combat Satan? How do we combat this adversary with faith? How, how do we grow in faith? How do we stay steadfast in faith? We say yes to God. You see, uh, I I have a, a, again, baby girl, and she says no quite a bit, but every now and then she'll say yes. And there's nothing that pleases a father's heart when my baby girl's obedient to me. I'm almost taken back, you know. Like, yes, like she does want to clean up or, or. Whenever I hear those words, I'm filled up. And listen, church, it's no different as it pertains to our faith. It's no different with our relationship with God. Whenever you say no to Satan and yes to God, that faith is fortified. Right, And it pleases God whenever we say yes to him. And you you say no to Satan over and over and over again. And then you say yes to God over and over and over again. And when you do that, the enemy begins to flee from you. Resist him and he will flee from you. But if a fisherman, if if he's fishing in the same spot and that fish keep taking bait, he's not moving. But if he's throwing that bait out there and ain't no fish biting, he's going to go somewhere else. He'll leave you. But you gotta learn to start saying no. Now, I was talking about my baby girl this morning, and, and we actually had child dedications this morning. I love child dedication because I, I love discipleship. And, and, and what I I love family discipleship a little bit more than all the other discipleships among us. Because that's how I came to know Jesus. You see, at the early age, my dad had given his life to God. He 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 surrendered his life to Jesus and I began to see this man who was far from God, began to take on the attributes of Christ. And even though I was a, a young boy, I knew like, hey, something's going on here. And, and so growing up, man, we started going to church and, and I knew everything up here. Like I knew all the right things to say. I I, I knew enough of the Bible to hold a conversation with somebody about it. But I ain't hit here. Again, I played football, and my athleticism and and my athletics in middle school and high school kind of gave me this popularity and this influence, and I wasn't trying to use it to forward the kingdom of God. No, I was using it for myself. So fast forward, man. God, and he humbled me, and uh, I go to college. And when I was in college, y'all, I hit a crossroads, right? I hit a crossroads. I was no longer under um, um, the leadership. I was no longer over the headship of my dad. So I was at a crossroads. Was I going to follow everything that my dad had instilled in me? He taught me how to say no to Satan. He taught me how to say yes to God. And it was all here, but my life wasn't a reflection of what I knew. I knew a lot, but my life wasn't bearing any fruit. And when I got to college, y'all, I got plugged in into community. I met this, uh, it was a college ministry and there was some other young people that were trying to live uh, 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 for Jesus. And this was the first time ever in my life that I just thought it was my dad's thing or just the old people at the church's thing. But then I get to college and I'm like, there's other young people that's trying to follow after to Jesus. You see, Satan has been eating my lunch up to this point because I've been alone. I was in dark places, right? But I said, it's time to get in the pack. I want to get in the center of the pack now. So I got plugged in this community. What was in my head had now transpired into my heart. And, and, and those four years of college were uh, some of the most fruitful seasons of my life. I would go on and graduate in All-American and uh, football. But even more importantly than that, y'all, I had teammates come to know Jesus, and they're still living for Jesus to this day. Praise the Lord. All glory to God. We start doing mission trips. Right, we, we, we start doing all these uh, amazing things. We start doing Bible studies. And, and then I found myself, after I graduated, I went to play with the Tennessee Titans, as you guys saw, and then I went and, and I went up to Canada, I played in the CFL, Canadian Football League. And then I ended up in Los Angeles, out of all places, playing for the LA Kiss. Kiss, the band, had a football team. It was a little weird, okay? But that's where God led me. And, and next thing you know, i found myself uh, in the industry like kansas city is not los angeles okay and la is not kansas city my dad's blue collar he still gets up to this day four o'clock in the morning and ever since i can remember he wore those steel toes we played football we did stuff that was tough my dad's a manly man you're not going to go act and model and do all this stuff that's what i ended up doing all right so i'm in la i'm done playing football i started acting i started modeling I start flying across the country doing these different campaigns for these national brands. But over time, y'all, there were two things that became absent in my life. There were two things that began to disintegrate. It was faith and it was my community. You see, I had began taking the bait of fame. I I, I bit after the, the, the bait of fortune and I was hooked by disappointment. I was hooked by loneliness. I was hooked by unfulfillment i was hooked by guilt i was hooked by shame and satan began to take me to a a dark place that was far from far from god i found myself in places a christian shouldn't belong i found myself interacting with people doing things that a christian shouldn't do and like peter it was a season of my life where i was walking on water but then this season i was dropping the ball and I had to make some hard decisions, y'all. There were some sacrifices that need to be made. But praise be to God that if you are a child of God, he's going to come after you no matter what. So here I was, I began to pray. And every time I got down on my knees to pray, I heard God say, son, you need to go home. You need to go back home. And I didn't want to hear it. And a couple of weeks went by, but every time I got down on my knees to pray, I heard, son, you got to go home. And I didn't want to do it, but I, eventually I had to. And I came back home, and I got plugged in back into the community. And, and, and I restored my faith with God's people. And I got plugged in Paradigm, my young adult ministry. And I got plugged in uh, 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 with, with community, and my faith began to grow back because I repented. I turned uh, away from him. You see, God is a loving God, and he'll welcome you back home. And this was where I was at, and I came back home, y'all. Praise the Lord. That's it. You see, Satan is after your faith, and Satan's after your community. The two things that keep him away, he's trying to take away. Your faith, saying yes to God, saying no to Satan, and then community. Those things are your defense. Therefore, uh, it's, it's, it's like a hunter that, that that would go out and deer hunt. And, and if you've uh, hunted in here, or you know people that hunt, again, I went to school in South Dakota, so uh, we had a lot of hunters on my team. And you go to their house, you see all these deer heads. <laughs> ten point, that's my ten point, that's a twelve point, fourteen point, they're trying to explain this to me. It's their prized possession, those horns. When the economy of God, nothing is higher than faith. You can't please God without faith. Faith. Therefore, Satan, that's what he's after. He's after your faith, church. He wants you to doubt who God is. He wants you to doubt the truth of who, uh, the truth of God's word, so that he can hang your faith on his wall. And my faith was on Satan's wall at one point in time, but I had to get it back. Is your faith on Satan's wall this morning? Today could be the day that you get it back by simply saying no to him and saying yes to god now uh uh, let's continue on y'all in the text starting in, in in verse um 10 it reads but may the god of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by christ jesus after you after you have suffered a while perfect establish, strengthen and settle you to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever amen point number three is this entrust yourself to god's plan and trust yourself to god's plan you see the christian walk isn't easy it doesn't promise us a life of prosperity but what it does promise is that everything that is wrong everything that we go through here on this side of heaven it has a purpose your pain has a purpose and that is to ultimately make us like him it is to make us like jesus so y'all i came back home and uh, when I came back home, uh, shortly after, uh, a few months after, I, I met my bride. And uh, God was calling me home because he wanted my faith restored, and, and he wanted me to get back in community, but he also wanted to be my honey, okay? So, a few months later, y'all, I met my bride. Here's actually a, a picture of us. That's my beautiful bride, Maya, and that's our daughter, Naomi, the one that's saying no all the time. And... Uh, and, and at the time, my wife was pregnant. Now, with uh, our fourth child, our second child, family of four, Nalani. Okay. Um, so, so this is our family. And y'all, uh, about a year ago, when when my daughter was just born, we uh, the lion showed up at our doorstep. You see, my wife had just had our firstborn baby, and a few uh, months, or yeah, a few months after that, the whole world shut down. So this was when COVID happened, the pandemic happened. So here we are a few weeks later, my wife's experiencing postpartum. Uh, I, I'm like in dad mode, like trying to protect my family, right? Self-preservation, we're operating uh, in, in fear. And then we didn't have our community. And listen, y'all, Satan began to have his way with us. He moved into our home. And if I'm honest, again, we're in this series of leadership And I would say the lion was probably on my wife a little bit more than me. But listen, whoever's the head of the household, I'm here to let you know today that if a lion's in your house, and he may not be after you, but he's after your children. He's after your bride. He's after anything that God has entrusted to you. It's your responsibility to get him out. He's got to go. Amen. Yes. No, Satan. You got to go. Right? But guess what, y'all? I failed to do that. I failed. Another lesson. And guess what? That lion ran us out of our house. We had a lease on the home. We still had half a year left on the lease. We had to break the lease, empty out our savings. The lion ran us out of our house, y'all. Our minds were in such fear. Our minds began to play tricks on us. All these things were transpiring. And I know COVID and new parents, all of it was a perfect storm. Uh, So we moved into a place that was just available because we needed a a place to stay. And over this past year, y'all, we had to make some hard decisions. We had to do some self-reflection. We had to ask God, what went wrong? What what was it that ultimately led us to this place? And and we began to realize that, hey, we need to get back in community. And obviously the world opened back up, but we got to get back into community. And and, and now we start the day every morning with worship. And and we, we ask God to fill our home with his presence, we pray, we read God's word, we have spiritual conversations, because that, that line's not welcome back, y'all. And listen, this past week, it's been almost exactly a year. We signed on to this new lease exactly a year ago, and, and, and this just past week, y'all, we had an offer on a house that was accepted, and we're going to have our very first home together as a family, y'all. Praise the Lord. It's exciting times. And it's all because of Jesus. It's a testament to what happens when you tell Satan, no, you're not welcome here any longer. I'm tired of taking the bait. I'm tired of being hooked. I'm tired of my life being filled with disappointment and emptiness. No, Satan, get behind me. Get out of here. We got to resist. We got to resist him, church. We got to start saying yes to God. And you see, Peter, he concludes this message with a, with a few words. He concludes this message with a few words. He, he, he says this uh, in verse 10, to perfect, to establish, to strengthen, and to settle you. Again, our pain has purpose. You see, we came out that season, and, and though we hit our lowest lows, like the lowest we've ever been as a family, and we're a young family, but because we're out of that season, our faith is stronger. We're quicker to now say yes to God. Right, We now have the ability, the defense to say no. Our faith as a family is not on Satan's wall any longer. So wherever you're at today, maybe you're asking God to perfect you. To perfect you is to mature you. To be mature is the ability to say no. Right? You have to have the strength. You have the uh, uh, and, and this is a, a sober Peter now. We've seen Peter out of fear cut the, 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 the um, soldier's ear off that was trying to uh, 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 arrest jesus before he was crucified in the garden of gethsemane he was operating right Uh, fight or flight fight that's not sober-minded and then we see uh, him in the courtyard and that little girl with her lunch began to eat his lunch and and, and she accused him of knowing jesus and he denied him fear set in peter wasn't sober-minded he was filled with his feelings his opinion. But we know at the end of his life, he was now mature. We know because he was crucified upside down. You see, Peter was martyred for his faith. And when they asked him, when they told him to be crucified upright, he said, no, 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 I don't wanna be crucified like my savior, like Jesus, hang me upside down. That brother was mature. Maybe you've come in here and you realize, if you're honest, you need to get mature. You would ask God to perfect your faith maybe you're in here and you're asking God to establish you this is to turn resolutely in a certain direction like here I was as a high schooler and as a middle schooler I was going the wrong way we all know right from wrong we know if you've been coming to church for any amount of time what to do and it may be in your head but maybe it's time for God to establish what you know in your heart Maybe some of you need to be strengthened because, quite honestly, life has gotten lifey. I know it's been a tough season for all of us. To some extent or another. And maybe you just need to be strengthened. That's okay. Maybe the lion's in your home. He's, he can, and, 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 and he's devouring things in your life that God has entrusted to you. And you need the strength to get back and fight them. You need the strength. To get back up and resist him. My prayer for you today is that God will strengthen you. And lastly, uh, 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 Peter would say he would settle you, which is to be placed on a solid foundation. And maybe today's the day that you settle things with God. You see, God's word says, uh, Jesus would say, the man who builds his house on the rock uh, who abides uh, by the words in which uh, I share? If you obey me, then your house is being built on the rock. And when the storm comes, your house won't fall because your foundation is secure. Maybe your house is down right now and it's falling, and things are in shambles. And before you be start rebuilding again, it's time to get things settled with God. It's time to make sure your foundation. Is on the truth of who God is and and what he's done for you. Maybe it's time for you to surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe you've been on the fence. Maybe you've just been kind of playing around. You've just been on the bench. But it's time to get into the game, church, and surrender your life completely to him. There's no in-between. It's either your life is being devoured by Satan or you're in complete surrender to Jesus. You decide. And I love this. Peter puts an exclamation mark to his letter with this To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Church, guess what? We win. Church, we win. Jesus has come. And Peter is trying to point us back to him. You within yourself would not have the strength. You within yourself would not have the ability to be sober, to be vigilant right you you won't have the power but by the grace of god and what he's done and and jesus coming to die for us and being raised to life for us because of that act we now have the strength to withstand to resist the enemy if you're in christ listen church the lion has a roar but it ain't got no teeth Listen, the the lion may have a a, a war, but it's a lion on a leash because we have the victory. Amen. Glory to God. So here we are, church. Um, uh, It's football season. I'm a former football player, and I happen to love Jesus. Therefore, I've written a spoken word, and the spoken word really uh, overlaps with this exclamation point that Peter puts on his letter is to point our attention back to him and the victory that has been won for us. So I'm going to say it now. You see, in the game of life, there's two teams, Team Light and Team Darkness. And you see, Team Light has been trying to win on its own for too long. Without the coach's help, we decided to call our own plays and fail miserably. We deserved to be cut from the team, stripped of our uniforms, never able to step into the locker room again. But with the team down and time running out, our coach, God, did something he knew would secure the win. You see, he loved his team so much he would send his only begotten son into the game. And from the press box, Jesus stepped down onto the playing field. And from the playbook of his father's business, Jesus put together a winning drive. He took some hard hits, helped teammates off the ground, and he led by serving. You see, Jesus marched the ball all the way down the field, dodging all of Satan's attempts. With only a few seconds left on the clock, Coach Guy calls a timeout. And on the sideline, Jesus gives his final prep talk to his disciples. He even gets down on his knee and ties their cleats. Looking around, he sees that one is missing. Looking across the field, he spots Judas on the opponent's bench. He turns back around. Half the team was sleeping. The others had made their way to the bleachers. The father tells him what play to run. Jesus, sweating blood, asks, is there any other play that will work? But the father and son knew that the game would come down to this. With no teammates by his side, Jesus crossed those white lines for one final play. A crown of thorns, his helmet, a splinter across his shoulder pads. And with you and I in mind, he remembered how he and his father had practiced this play. All the forces of darkness and every sin that's ever been committed aligned on the other side of the line of scrimmage yelling trying to convince him that he can't score he takes one final look at the press box to hopefully see his father but he was not there jesus snapped the ball going headfirst into the forces of darkness taking on three nails sacrificing his body and with a loud cry he would say it is finished but the whistle blew and the crowd got silent you see Jesus had crossed the goal line the only problem was he wasn't moving you see it came at the expense of his life so they took Jesus on a stretcher and carried him back into the locker room with team light still down by one and not a single player in sight all hope had been lost Satan and his team began to celebrate. The crowd began to slowly leave the stadium, but a few hours later, AKA three days later, something happened. Angels began to blow their horns and wave their wings, and the disciples ran back to the locker room to see what was going on. But guess what? Jesus wasn't in the locker room. He was standing in the doorway, and Jesus the only living God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the Beginning, the End, the Perfector of our Faith, the Ghost, the Greatest of all times, our MVP stepped onto the playing field. Touchdown! A play that will impact all eternity. A play called Love. Let's go, church!
0: That means everything for us, that changes everything. We have the victory in him, we can put our trust, our hope in him, we can entrust our our lives to him, that God's plan is perfect for us, amen? And we all have a next step to take. You've heard that already today. So maybe your next step is to get in community. People need people, we we talked about that just a few moments ago. So maybe you need to get plugged in with group connect. You can go to the next next step's desk out of the lobby, you can get connected to that next step for whatever you need, whatever the next step is for you. And maybe you need to take a step towards Jesus and then trust your life to him for the first time. And we have people up here that want to pray with you, that wanna talk with you, that wanna encourage you in your faith, in your walk, your journey with Jesus. So we hope that you take that step. Come talk to us at the story room out there and we'll see you next week. Have a blessed week, Bless Sunday church.